Well, welcome back to another Charting the Course podcast episode. We're thrilled to be joined today in studio by Mickey Ferris, the Executive Director at Infant Crisis Services uh, right here in Oklahoma City. I'm also joined in studio by my colleague, Miss Stacy Murray, who is no stranger to the podcast, but I really appreciate both of you taking the time out of your day to sit down. This is a no-brainer. This is going to be a great nonprofit highlight that we love to do. So uh, thank you both for being here. Stacy. I'm going to let you, you've really gotten involved over the past probably six months with infant crisis. And I really just thought, let's let you kind of share a little bit of that and then intro Mickey and we'll dive in here. So uh, thank you both for being here though. Thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little biased, but I'm a young mom of three. I say young, I'm still a young mom, but a young mom of oh, yeah. three babies and um, kind of long story short, I started looking in 2017 for an organization that I really wanted to get involved in here in Oklahoma City. And I wanted to find an organization that was not a global nationwide. I wanted something that was very centralized to Oklahoma City, into Oklahoma and something that, you know, I've always been told and I tell mentees all the time, get involved in boards that you really do want to make an impact, not just boards that you want to put on your resume, but boards that your time is so valuable. And so I was kind of trying to figure out, I knew I wanted to get involved in some local organization here, didn't know what. When I was younger, I did a lot with March of Dimes, but again, that's a national organization. And I knew there was some more Oklahoma organizations, not-for-profits that I wanted to focus in. And so I had a couple of friends of mine that said, have you ever thought about infant crisis? And I have to admit, I had no idea what it was. And that wasn't fair. Now I'm all in, know all about it, but I'm a numbers girl. And it was started in 1984 by Mickey, which I think is just fabulous. And I was born in 1984. So now I'm telling everybody my entire birth. So I'm turning 40 this year, along with infant crisis. And gosh, I got to know Mickey and could not find a person with a bigger heart, bigger passion, She goes big on everything, but her goal is to make sure no babies go to bed hungry. And I, having three of my own, I could not imagine if I had to make a decision between formula and a diaper and to see what Mickey has done for our Oklahoma babies. And I think that's the biggest thing is she is all in on Oklahoma. I love Oklahoma and she is all in. And I mean, she is making this state a better place for our babies. And I would call her my friend. I see her on the football fields now with her grandkids and my kids. And I would definitely, she's a friend to anybody, but she is a friend to our babies in Oklahoma. Oh, that's perfect. That's a great intro. So Mickey, if you don't mind, let's let's dive in here a little bit and just get some background on you. To Stacey's point, I think there's still a lot of people that maybe know what Infant Crisis Services is and it does, but they may not know why it was started and where the story came from and the mission. So if you don't mind, just take a little bit of time and give us some of your background. Please. Sure. Um, born in at St. Anthony Hospital about 67 years ago, next week. Uh, my mom and dad were, they were from Muskogee. I got married out of high school, came to Oklahoma City. By the time I was two, my dad was gone. He was an alcoholic and left the state. Didn't know him. So I would, um, every time I would see a guy at the grocery store or at the cleaners or anywhere, I would ask if they were my dad. (laughs) And my mom would go, quit asking people if they're your dad. I know who your dad is. But I didn't know who my dad was. I didn't have skin for my dad. And so um, my mom remarried when I was 10 and my stepdad adopted me. So I had skin. I had a dad Uh, and he um, he had no children. So I was really one of his children, his only. Well, my sister and and I were his children. He adopted me. My sister was too old at that point, but lived in Wichita until I went back to Oklahoma State University. But I do remember as a kid thinking I'm not going to go through what my mom has gone through all the angst, 
all the worry. She, you know, she was a PBX operator. I don't know if you remember Lily Tomlin, the one ringy dingy, two ringy dingies. You remember her being the, okay. Some people <laughs> out there will understand that, but um, she was a PBX operator too. <laughs> and um, it, it was a, it was a job and she yeah. got paid, but it wasn't enough to last the month. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, watched her go through a lot of juggling and stretching and all of the things that our moms have to do too, but was determined that wasn't going to be my end. And my stepdad insisted I go to college. So I chose Oklahoma State because I was from Oklahoma and got married right out of college. One of my thoughts in college was I was going to interview the guys to make sure they were not going to be an alcoholic, which was, <laughs> that was a really dumb <laughs> marker because you they're not going to tell you they're going to do that or that there wouldn't have no abandonment issues, right. the, all those things that kind of went on. But by the time I was 33, I was a single mom with two little girls, very much like my mom. So when those moms come to us, I don't have to wonder how they feel. You know. I know how they oh, feel. Yeah. I know what I felt like as a kid, and I know what I felt like as a mom who was trying to provide for her young ones. I had a leg up, I had a college education, and I had an ex that didn't leave never to return. So those were two things that I didn't have to experience, but it was still the loss of a dream. Yep. And so got remarried and been married almost 29 years now in um, April. Wow, awesome. We have, uh, I had two kids, he had two kids, and we have together seven grandkids. Aww. They are ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lots of so, fun. Right. Yes, lots um, of games. Lots of football. It's like football uh-huh. and soccer and basketball, but it's all, it's all just wonderful. And so it's been a nice ride with our family, but my passion runs deep because I can identify with our clients yeah. and I don't want any parent to have to wonder or worry about how they're going to provide for their baby's needs. Right. You did not go right into the nonprofit world though, correct? You spent time in the corporate world. So let's Take us through that thought process. You're you're in the corporate world, and what happens? What starts taking place at I believe was a, a garage, correct, uh, with some people at church? Actually, uh, we went. We had, it was in the basement of our basement. church. We okay. had a um, potluck supper. Uh, we wanted to do something more than paint the doors and pick the weeds at Westminster Presbyterian Church. Okay, and so we went to our went went to our Sunday school class members. We were all having babies at the time, and said, "What can we do that would make a difference in our community?" and there was one couple in that group that said, I know about emergency infant services in Tulsa and they're helping babies and toddlers. That couple moved away. I don't know that they ever knew that this happened. What they did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, we got to find them. I know. Yeah. I, we do need to find them. Um, and so um, they, they told us about EIS or emergency infant services. We had their executive director over for a potluck supper in the basement of our church. And there was like butterflies in my stomach that night. And I thought, we've, we've got to do this. We've got to figure out how to do it. If that church had said no, if all of the people that we went to at the church, the trustees and the deacons and the women's of Westminster and the men of Westminster and all the groups that they said, let's go to these groups and see if they'll support. If they'd said no, I don't know if it would be. Hmm. I don't know if we would have started. We probably would have tried to start somehow, but it would have been much more difficult. So we found a church at 10th and McKinley that was the Presbyterian outpost. And that was a place where Presbyterian Urban Mission, which was an adult food pantry, Habitat for Humanity was in there in the 80s. After school program, a senior feeding program. It was a 100-year-old church. Now it's a 140-year-old church that housed all of us. And the thing about it was it it was free. There was Mm -hmm. no charge to be there. We had about 1,000 square feet of pretty unusable space, but we made it the way that we could make it to make it work. And about 94, 1994, um, we were growing Uh, Presbyterian Urban Mission was growing. Habitat was growing. 
something had to give. So we moved um, to a new building, which was old building on uh, 39th and Penn. But it was a building that we could make more usable for us. 2,000 square feet when we, when we purchased it, 4,000 square feet upon adding to it and up to 10,000 babies in that building in 15 years. Wow. So we, every time we moved, it was because we were growing and we decided that in 1994, if we were going to grow, we had to move. So we began looking and pretty much thought we were just going to re- remodel mm-hmm. because we didn't think we could build because we'd never done, done that before. But went to an association of fundraising professionals meeting and the Donald W. Reynolds Foundation was there and they were giving out grants to people just like us who had the capacity to do, they did not, they could do more, but they didn't have the capacity to do more. And so we asked for one of their grants and they gave us a planning and technical grant, which will make you numbers people very happy. What that was for was to take that Ma and Pa um, organization, began at that church basement and get their financial policies and their personnel uh-huh. policies and their volunteer policies where they needed to be. And everything that could strengthen our infrastructure, they provided money to do that, which is unheard of. And then they said, apply for a construction grant. And we did. And we built a 17,000 square foot facility at 42nd and Lincoln. And then they came back about eight or nine years later and said, we're, we're shutting down. Uh, we're going to bring all our money away. Do you need any more money? Oh, wow. And we said, yes, please. <laughs> uh, and that was for about 10,000 square feet of warehouse storage, a big packing room that we didn't have before, and then a volunteer center and boardroom. When was the move to Lincoln? 2009. And nine. And then you added on in? About 2017. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's about 35,000 square feet now, a very usable space. Oh, it's a great location. It's, yeah, yes. it's, it's really nice. And that's the thing is you want to be in the community too that needs you. Um, you, you do have clients that walk in, mm-hmm. right? And walk yes. and use your facilities. And I think that that's important to be located in the correct part of the metro. And bus lines that run straight by where oh, we are. That's oh. another real, I mean, the other... The other locations, it was not really on a bus route and we're directly on a bus route. Um, So that's been really nice. So our mission has been simple and we've stuck to it. It's to feed and diaper and needy babies and toddlers to provide life-sustaining formula food and diapers in time of crisis because no baby should go hungry. And we've delivered these services with the overarching core of kindness, respect, compassion, and love. Mm. So we, we don't wander from that either. As long as I'm around, I give every employee that walks in the door and every volunteer, that those are our core values and we hire and we fire based on those core values and don't have to fire very often, but we definitely look for that when we're, when we're hiring staff is that they have a heart for those in need. Oh, for sure. Uh, Take me back to 94. Was it still just you plus volunteers? Like what was the, what did the staff look like in 94? It's actually 84. Well, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of when the move to 39th and Penn. Okay. 39th Penn. Okay. Let's let's go all the way back to 84. Okay. 84, there were five directors. Okay. Uh, I was one. There was one that, so I was Miss Policy. There was Miss Let's Buy product. There was let's find a place. There was let's give away everything in the storeroom with no policies that she and I had a little bit of a a, (laughs) back and forth. Yeah, back and forth. (laughs) And then there was an accountant. And so we were uh, open Monday through Thursday. I think our first year, our budget was $14,000. And I saw that I spent $12.50 on training somewhere. I'm not sure where. And our budget this year is close to 4 million. So we have grown a a lot. In 94, when we moved to 39th and Penn, that year, there were still about two of us. Okay. 
and I think we added maybe two more pretty quickly. And I think by the time we left, we may have had 10 people okay. and we're to 28 people, 28, 28 staff and about 3,700 volunteers. Oh, it's awesome. And the stuff you do with, you know, is there, there's still a teen board, correct? And the general board. I mean, it's just, it's just awesome. I would say this summer and they get a lot of the youth involved and have them come in and volunteer. And that was pretty fun. I surprised them and showed up and they're like, oh my gosh, Stacy's here. She's volunteering with the kids. And if you've seen me, I'm like five foot. So I'm just fitted in perfectly <laughs> with these kids. And it was fun to see them. And it's, I think it's a great opportunity. I think one thing, Mickey, you never give yourself enough props for, but seeing, being the auditor side and seeing a lot of not-for-profits, you run this organization very lean. And I think that that is to your credibility and you've always made sure. I did not know. And I thought I found this interesting. You guys only buy three things. Is that correct? For babies and then everything else is donated. Basically. Uh, yes. And so I found that was an interesting fact. And so it is it diapers, formula and wipes? Am I No, diapers, formula and food. There you go. And so food could also include our fresh food, which are right now we're buying milk and bread um, as a fresh food, but everything else, wipes, sippy cups, sippy cups, bottles, anything toys, extra. clothes. Exactly. We've, All that extra. There's been multiple boxes of clothes dropped off from, from my family of three kids. It, it's just, it's the no-brainer. Well, and to run lean, it takes that community. Yep. And so they have an in-kind board committee that helps run it. But the in-kind is so, it's just as important as the actual money d donations as well. And I think that that's one thing that I kind of forgot and lost sight of until I've recently got involved even more is it does take the community to get involved. But I just want to give you an applause for running it so lean. You are serving so many babies with the amount of money that you are raising. And that is fascinating to me. And I think it's just, it's amazing to see where you've gone in the last 40 years and where we'll go the next 40 years, right? Exactly. <laughs> We really have tried to stay the course of our mission because it is very, very tempting to do mission drift because there's so many other needs. I mean, they have so many needs. The only really way we mission drift is to do some wraparound service for them, which are car seats or pack and plays for safe sleep. So we want safe rides. We want safe sleep. So many kids come uh. in there and don't have a car seat. It's just hard to believe how, how many people or they'll have a car seat that I don't even know how old it is. It's, it's too old. It doesn't have all the parts. It doesn't have the straps it needs. Um, so we do provide the car seats and the uh, pack and plays uh, if needed. This is just a, a side note. How do you guys handle car seat donations? Because I know, you know, they have an expiration date and we've run into that before as well as far as wanting to donate a car seat. How do you guys handle that? We don't take them basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah. if, if we yeah. do take them, we do have a partner that will take them. Okay. But it's really, I mean, we will not give a used car seat away because of the liability. Same thing with, with baby beds by law, we can't take. Right. But people don't like it when you say no for their donation because it meant something to them. Oh, yeah. But um, it is it, it, it is a liability yeah. for us. And so um, I can't say we have always done it that way. We took the liability on for a while because we didn't know any better early in our, sure. in, in being around. But um for a long, long time, we've not accepted car seats. Or if we do, we pass it to a partner who, who does give them away. Figure out. Yeah. I just think it's a good, it's a good reminder that there are some stipulations around it and don't straddle the nonprofit with that responsibility of then having to get rid of it because they can't use it. Right. So you laid it out beautifully to, from 84 to where we are today. What sticks out to you? What were some milestones or moments of, holy cow, I can't believe we're doing this or oh my gosh, what have I got myself into? Like, where, what were those moments along the road for you 
um, that stick out. Okay. We're celebrating our 40th birthday this year. We've helped over 370,000 babies and toddlers in central Oklahoma since the beginning. Told you earlier, we went from two staff members to now 28 staff members. We added our baby mobile program in 2013. We added car seats for safe ride and pack and place for safe sleep. Mm-hmm. We give clothing, shoes, toys, wipes, bottles, blankets, and anything else that's do- donated beyond the basic necessities of formula food and diapers. We made a big change in January of 2020 to increase the number of times a baby or toddler could utilize our services from five visits from the time they were born until they turned four to four visits per year in that same wow. time period. So if the baby was born in the right months, if they came to every visit, it could come 20 times. But for sure, um, most babies will at least get 16 visits over, instead of five. Mm-hmm. That was a big um, that was a big leap of faith sure. for our board. And then it was the pandemic on top of that. So that year we helped over 25,000 babies oh with uh, food formula and diaper. Um, we received no federal, state, or United Way funding. So that is something that a lot of people don't know. I find this fascinating. And tell us why. You don't. I think that's very important to know. Part of it is because we started as that little church project. And in my mind is because we had all these, all these donors, not any big, huge, but lots of of people who were writing checks to us. And I think as we, as we went along, we thought too many strings attached with some of the federal government and state funding. And then you don't know if you're going to get it year after year. So we thought, let's go with a sure deal of our individual donors for the most part and grants and events and the things that, um, that we continue to do. We are a four-star charity navigator. And that means nothing to most people, but to us, that's the charity watchdog okay. that says you are doing right things and you're transparent and you're, you are helping on a lean, as lean as you mm-hmm. can help. Yeah. And um, you, can't, you can't request that charity navigator rating. They provide it for yeah. you. Awesome. It has to be given to you. Right, yep. it has to be given. Yep. I think doing the right things. I think there's maybe... I don't know how many there are in the state of Oklahoma, but not very many. But by you not taking on those federal and all that, mom comes into you or a dad. We right. had a dad mm-hmm. at our uh, table in mm-hmm. September that came and talked to us at the Feed the Babies luncheon. You always think it's moms, but there's also dads out there. And I just thought it was fascinating that you don't ask about income, any of that. All that matters is that baby and making sure that you are taking care of that baby. And for them to come in, and if you've been in there and seen and volunteered, you know that this mom or dad is they, they're not excited to be there. They know that they have to come here as their last resort. But to know that you're not going to get turned away Absolutely. Um, is the biggest thing. And I think that's the most impactful. No, no real there are others rules on us. We can our governing board, which you're a part of, Stacy, <laughs> is kind of who tells us this is this is what what your policies are going to be. So it's not it's not an outside source telling us what we can do and can't do. Yeah. Well, and I would say, you know, we just had our board meeting a couple of weeks ago, but just seeing the January numbers that were coming in, because that does reset us in January. Mm-hmm. You can talk maybe a little bit about that, but higher numbers again. I mean, there's still that need for us. You know, we talked as a board and I know, Mickey, you feel the same way. You thought in 1984, starting this at some point, maybe there wouldn't be a need for this organization anymore. And so here we are in 2024 and 40 years in. And what do you think the need is going to be in 20 to 30 years? Where do you, I mean, what do you see? Well, at the current rate of growth, you know, you numbers people, again, love to, <laughs> to kind of project out there. And, we have graphs. Um, yes, yes. yes. So we are at this current rate of growth, we'll probably be at 40,000 by 2030. And so wow. um, it would, we're at 24,000 right now. And so I believe that by then we will be at 40,000. And particularly in the ways that we're growing, our, our forever home at 42nd and Lincoln is one place that clients can come see us. 
but we go to them on our baby mobiles. And I don't know that I've mentioned Delma and Louise, our baby mobiles yet. No, we briefly touched on when we, when you added them, but mm-hmm. I, I think this, I love what they do and that yes. there's names. <laughs> they, yeah, that's Thelma and Louise. Um, they go to 27 counties right now. I think it's 52 locations and take our product to rural Oklahoma. And so we're pretty much uh, from the Texas border to the Kansas border, straight down the middle of um, Oklahoma. And they provide enough food formula and diapers to last a week. They don't take the extras except for sippy cups and bottles and wipes. But any extras they don't, they don't take. But they do provide the basic necessities of life in the same way that we do at our main location. And that's been exciting to see. I think even just in the last couple of years, and I think that was January too, our numbers were really high with the baby mobiles. And that's just been able to get us out of the Oklahoma City kind of metro area. And it's also allowed a lot of Oklahomans I've seen that have said, hey, come to our county and help serve us. And and you've gotten in with like rotary groups or you can talk a little bit more about that. But it's kind of been interesting for infant crisis to spread outside of just Oklahoma city metro exactly and that's the way we were for well until Thelma came into our lives which was about 2013 because she's 10 years old we did stay within the metro and so we we are now like I said in those 27 counties and the rural need is is great oh yeah they don't have as many resources they might may have a Walmart or something there but they may not and They just don't have the resources that we have in the larger counties. And so we helped, I believe, over 10,000 on the baby mobiles last year and 14,000 at the main location. Wow. So, I mean, pretty close to 50-50 of getting out there outside of just Oklahoma City. Well, it just shows you the need is is Mm -hmm. not going away at all. Absolutely. And we've asked for a a new fleet, uh, two more baby mobiles and another uh, vehicle that's kind of a support vehicle. We go to Lawton, we'll help about 200 babies in that four-hour period that we're there. So um, Thelma and Louise go together, and then Thor, our new van, goes with them. (laughs) So (laughs) we do name them all. I don't know know why we did it, but at any rate, they're all named. So to me, that is where our growth will continue to happen, too, because there are people knocking on our doors. We, We have not gone into communities, though, saying we're not coming unless you fund us. Here as a community, we've gone in and said, we're going to feed babies. We're going to get a track record. If we can get help, we get help. If we can't, then we're going to keep coming back as long as there's a need. It's amazing. It really is. One thing I think is always fascinating when we sit down with with anybody, uh, whether it's a CEO of a nonprofit or CEO of a business, when you look back, what were some of the hardest decisions you had to make? What were some of the most rewarding decisions you you made at the time? I just think it's retrospectively looking at some of those decisions and, and maybe where you felt like, listen, this is this is going to happen if the people step up and this is the way I feel like God's leading us. But uh, so walk us through some of those. Well, each time we grew, we grew we, that we knew we needed to move. Those were real hard things Absolutely. to do. And those were stepping in faith moments for sure. If we wanted to help more babies, we we had to get more space in order to do that. So I think each move was, was a time because capital campaigns, you have a fear that that's going to take away from your program funding. Yeah, right. um, and I would say we had discussions every time and certain board members every time that said, I, I think that's a I think that's a big move. I don't know that we should make it, but we knew that we, if we wanted to grow, that we had to do that. Also, the the time that we decided we were going to serve the babies more often. Uh, One one of our philosophies had been we were going to serve more babies, but not more times, but just more babies. And then for about a year and a half, we looked at, we weren't having a lot of growth in the number of babies that we were serving. And we were saying, why? And our partners were telling us and our clients were telling us that we need more visits. The babies that are, the people that are coming to you now need more visits. And once we did that, that's exactly what 
the, the case was, is that they needed more visits. The NEEKC Foundation does reviews of states and how they're doing, particularly in the well-being of children. Our state dropped from 40th to 46th this year in Ugh. terms of our, the well-being of children. So when I think about, is this, is this need going to go away, like you said a moment ago, do we need to have it go away? I don't think so. I think it's just growing. I think we need to make some changes in our state around the food security issue, yeah. particularly for children. And so we don't really go to advocate at the Capitol, but if I were if I were looking at what <laughs> one of the one of the things is that makes us have this need and this growing need, it's that we we're not really doing what we need to do to feed our kids. Oh, that's crazy. Forty six. Wow. There's so much yeah. good that goes on, and I think we can become blind to the fact of there's things that we're dropping in, and and it's not things that people like to talk about. It's it's awful. It is. Well, and I think it's just the awareness. I think Oklahomans like to write, to do the right thing. And I think by Mickey, you sharing your story and sharing this with us and our listeners to say, look, there's a great organization here that's doing the right thing. It's just educating that they're here and the, the, what's going on and where our needs are. And it's kind of you build it and they will come. Right. And I think that that's it. I think the capital campaign that you did. Absolutely. It didn't take away from the fundraisers that you guys do. And you guys do a great fundraiser, boots and ball gowns and bingos for babies and fundraising has always been great, but I think knowing that Oklahomans want to do the right thing and we want to support, and this is our next generations to come and to, to make Oklahoma a better state and letting us know these things. It's important. I would, I had no idea we were 46. I mean, that's just, it's so sad. It's so sad. Because we kind of wrap up our conversation here. What's next? Like what's, what's on the agenda? This is a big year. You guys are turning 40. What keeps you up at night outside of trying to feed the babies? But what's what's the next step look like? What's infant crisis services look like in another another forty years? Well, this is going to be a year of celebration. Let, let me tell you that okay. we've got we're having a family Yay. family <laughs> friendly event in June, close to our actual birth date. We started in June uh, on June fourth of nineteen eighty four, and on June eighth, we're going to have a big event at Infant Crisis Services that's family friendly. We'll have Spaghetti Eddie there. Hopefully, we're crossing our fingers that, that Spaghetti Eddie is available. Okay, if you hear um, us. Please, please come Let forward. Yeah. 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 Uh, Rumble, we've asked Rumble to attend. Now, kids either love Rumble or they don't like Rumble. But um, for those kids who like Rumble, He'll we'll be have, in the corner. That's right. <laughs> we'll have face painting and all things that kids would like to do um, and invite families um, to come to that. We're also going to have a, uh, something in September to celebrate our 40th year as well. We're currently asking for funding, like I said, in, in, in the future for a new fleet of baby mobiles so we can add to our current fleet. Um, as we think that if we do that, maybe we will be able to help those 40,000 babies and toddlers by 2030. I, I just always have tried to, as a founder, it's really easy to get stuck. Um, and well, we've, this, this has worked well for all these years. Sure. Let's just keep doing it. But I've really tried not to be a stuck founder. Um, I don't want to stop growth. I want to, I want to help growth. And so um, I hope that we can find ways to continue to expand our services wherever we're needed in a new and inventive ways. I don't know in 1984 that I ever thought of a mobile unit. And we were kind yeah. of on the cutting edge of a mobile unit, to be honest. We've been on the road for 10 years. Carrying vans for Blue Cross and Blue Shield have been on the road for quite some time. And the, the blood mobiles, all those things, there, there were mobile units, but really nothing that necessarily carried food. And so we're kind of on the cutting edge of that. So awesome. I, I, what a privilege and joy for me to spend 40 years of my life just being in, in the middle of it yeah. and just keep pinching myself and thinking, God really blessed me personally to let me do this for most of my adult life. That's so cool. 
Well, and I would say as a board member, we we're also looking too because we want to support Mickey and her team. And I would say, you know, we're doing anything we can out there as far as looking at the financials. You guys do run very lean. We have great fundraisers, but hearing that by 2030, I mean, let's go back to the facts. I know I'm Debbie Downer on this, but the CPA side of me, back to the facts. And that if we're going to have to support our community and the need is going to be there for our community to serve 40,000 babies by the end of this decade, that's not 10 years from now. That's the end. That's six years, guys. Like six years, the needs, the projections are going to be 40,000 babies. So, um, you know, we're the board is going to be behind Mickey and whatever they need, they request, we figure out a way to do it. But just if you're out there listening, family foundations, anything like that, ever want to meet Mickey, she'll be the first to say, come on in, come in for a tour. Let me tell you everything that's going on. And I couldn't tell you a better organization, but we're excited for 40 years and we are going to make sure, and I can tell you, Mickey's going to do everything along with her team at Infant Crisis Services to make sure that no baby goes to bed hungry. Well said. To end, I love, we always love ending with a story. So is there a story that drives home kind of your why, Mickey, and something that sticks out to you? And, you'll, you know, just one of those things that a, a mom or a baby, you'll just never forget. I have about 370,000 stories figured, if, you, if yeah, you had the yeah. afternoon, but I'm going to do one that I saw recently or okay. that I was able to experience recently. We have been helping the Afghan families as they came to um, Oklahoma okay. and lots of them have, are here in Oklahoma. And when they arrived here, they had many needs for sure. Car seats, formula, food, diapers, coats, shoes, and other basic necessities. So one of the first families that we helped drove up in their car. And one of our jobs is to look and see what car seat, and they all needed car seats for sure. Every one of them needed car seats, but one of our jobs is to look in the car, kind of see what the yeah. size the kids are, all of that. I remember sticking my head in the car and there was a little girl just cowering over in the in the corner with big brown eyes just looking at me. And I thought to myself, I wonder how many unfamiliar heads she had seen since she's been here and how, how, how that made her feel. I, it was obviously fear. How many strangers has she encountered? And this was just one more layer of unfamiliarity to her. So fitting her for the car seat was a wrestling match. Yeah. She did not understand what was going on and there's the language barrier there. She taught me that day, though, that a toy is a universal olive branch huh. when it comes to it being a kid. So once I supplied a toy, her attitude went from fear to acceptance. And once the coat and shoes arrived, she, we were friends. That's Aww. awesome. Fast forward to about a month ago. This would be about close to two years after her first visit. She arrives at Infant Crisis Services and is coming in this time. And she's commanding the playroom and <laughs> taking, you know, just shopping, taking things off the, you know, the <laughs> shelves and looking for herself. And her brother, who had not been born yet on the first visit, is doing zoomies in the playroom too. Aww. So he was as comfortable as she was. But what a beautiful sight to see that a, it's a true example of what kindness and respect and compassion and love can do to transform lives and what feeling safe and feeling um, cared for and having the freedom to be yeah themselves to be a kid to be a kid well and the confidence that you've given and instilled in this girl yes i think we were a small part of that journey for them but i was glad that we could be at the beginning and then then there we are in the middle and hopefully at the end for her little brother who was doing zoomies around the room (laughs) that we can we can continue to help the families that that have come to uh to to need our services we're happy to be a part of it and i i'm just going to correct you not a small part but a critical part and I appreciate everything you've done, Mickey. I really do for uh, Oklahoma. Anything we left out, I know, you know, like you said, we could tell, we could sit here and probably highlight stories for four hours. Uh, we will not keep you that long. You have 
a lot of babies to go feed. So anything we left out though, Stacey or Mickey? I was going to really quickly go over the partnerships. Um, we have about 200 partnerships in our state and that's really important. We can't do everything, but our partners can help us do the things that we can't do. And for every baby mobile location that we go to, we require a partner to host us, to provide restroom services for us, to provide marketing for us. And so if we didn't have those partners, we couldn't go to the rural sites. So those are really important. We also serve as a baby food bank for Palomar, the Oklahoma State Department of Health, Home Visitation Group, and the Sparrow Project. So all of those groups have clients. Rather than them sending clients to us, we actually let them tell us what they need for their clients and provide it. So we actually serve more as a baby food bank for those groups than with a lot of others. So we appreciate any way that we can help babies. If it makes it easier for them to get it that way, then we're happy to do it that way. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of times people will just feel really passionate about a project, but it's easy to throw money and money does help. We have to have funds come in. We have to have capital come in to build these campaigns. But it also takes these partnerships in the community. It takes your volunteers coming in to the stock room, the sort room. And to your point, it takes these partners in the communities to, that's what's going to get us from hopefully 46 going the other direction. Exactly. Uh, uh, because it, it, it can't, you can't just sit here and try to throw money at it and say, well, they'll take care of it. It's got to be both. Absolutely. So, great and, point. And grateful, grateful for the partners. And like you said, it takes board members. It takes volunteers. If we didn't have those volunteers, we learned very quickly what our volunteers and board members meant to us when during the pandemic because we couldn't have volunteers in there. So our board members came in and packed yeah. on the weekends and we packed half half of our day because we didn't slow down. The babies didn't slow down. They, they sped up during that time because there was more of need. There were more babies that came to us during the formula shortage than we were a- ever able to see. And especially before. formula shortage, it was even those that were making money. They just couldn't get to the formula, right? right. I mean, the shelves were empty. And I was a mom at that time. And I was thinking, I, I mean, I walked into Target and the formulas rows or just the shelves are empty. And it was so scary. And you could go to infant crisis. And I think that goes back to not taking the federal funding and United Way funding because you would have turned away a lot of moms and dads that were in desperate needs at desperate times for those children. Right. Well, thank you both. We really appreciate it just for coming in today to have this conversation, but but truly for everything you've done for our community, for our babies, to, to Stacy's point, as a dad of three kids, and Stacy's got three of her own. I think within this firm, there's more babies than employees. I mean, it's it's just uh, you know where a lot of us are in that in that mode, and and you see it with your grandchildren now. Those are the sweetest, most um, innocent people, and we've got to take care of them. So we appreciate everything you do, and thank you, thank you for coming in today. So. Absolutely, thanks for inviting me. Thank you, Mickey. If anybody has any questions or wants to learn more information. We'll put a link uh, in the show notes to the Infant Crisis website, as well as some of the opportunities that are coming up. Make sure you follow us on LinkedIn. Make sure you follow them, uh, Infant Crisis, on social media. I might even, I, I believe I can put some links in there as well. But get involved if you're not already, and this is something that speaks to you. Please go check them out and uh, and be on the lookout because there's a lot of a lot of fun things coming uh, on the horizon. So thank you both. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's conversation, don't forget to review and subscribe to your preferred podcast platform. Have a great week. All opinions expressed by the host and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Full Sail Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Full Sail may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.